0: Today's episode is supported by Fracture. Fracture prints your digital photos directly on the glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture is unique and beautiful. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order. Hey, you guys know my wife, Robin McGraw, has Robin McGraw Revelation, which is a great skincare product. And one of hers is called Let There Be Bright. This is a triple action brightening serum. It brightens the complexion and even skin tone with this seriously fast-acting serum that combines LumaSkin, lactic acid, and vitamin C. It's RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. That's the only place you can get it. And right now, you get 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. In the blink of an eye, Aaron Hernandez had a brand new life. And it was decidedly grim instead of a football field he now spent his days in a six by eight foot prison cell guards and fellow inmates replaced his throngs of cheering fans in this final episode we'll talk about his final days we'll talk about my exclusive interview with aaron's fiance shayana and put together the last pieces of the puzzle that help make sense of this story the story of a man who once had it all, and then had a catastrophic fall from grace. This is The Fall of a Hero, From Football to Murder, the Aaron Hernandez story, mystery and murder, analysis by Dr. Phil. I am Dr. Phil. Despite being found innocent of a double homicide, he was still on the hook for murder. His defense team had filed an appeal for his murder conviction of Odin Lloyd, but appeals take time. He was looking at a lifetime in prison. Now you might think a guy looking at a lifelong incarceration who continued to declare his innocence might want to stay under the radar in prison, but he continued to draw attention with his antics. There were several instances of Aaron displaying erratic behavior. First, there was his altercation with prison guards. A correction officer approached his cell door, who then saw that Aaron had attempted to barricade it so no one could enter. When the guard finally did get inside, he saw that Aaron had redness on his elbow and his knuckles. When he tried to alert medical staff, Aaron became irate Cursing at the officer and claiming that prison didn't scare him. It turned out the red marks on Aaron were the result of a prison fight, and it was one of several problems he engaged in behind bars. Between fist fights, getting illegal prison tattoos, smoking, and having a six-inch metal shiv, he racked up about a dozen offenses behind bars if he was trying to atone or put forth an image of a squeaky clean choir boy who had been wrongly convicted, well, let's just say he wasn't doing a very good job. It was clear there were emotional problems leading him to continue this detrimental behavior. Again, it seemed like his fiancee, Shayana, wasn't fully privy to the issues occurring in his new life. I say that because we discussed what her prison visits with Erin were like with their little girl. Take a listen to what we
1: talked about. It was fine, actually. Um, We would try to go once a week, sometimes twice, um, depending on the circumstances and and whatnot. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it was normal. It was her normal, um, so she knew no different. Um, But I always said once she started to know the routine, Um, Then I would stop and you know, we took occasional breaks and then we would go back Um, But as far as their interaction, it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So she was very much a a daddy's girl. Now
0: was this a a Visitation situation that was through glass or were they allowed to be together in a room?
1: Um, Well in the beginning it was behind glass Uh Um, and then you know, it started to be One on one kind of contact, um, and that was a good change. So he actually was able to hold her. She was able to, you know, kiss on him and, and stuff like that.
0: You say your daughter is four. Does she have a comprehension of the fact that he was in jail for doing something that he shouldn't do?
1: um no she has no idea and i won't tell her until she decides to ask or if she asks Um, she thought daddy was at work Um, that's how we kept it Um, she knows nothing about jail prison um, or any of that stuff i try to keep her in a whole positive direction Um, i try to give her a life that we necessarily didn't have um so
0: yeah at four i'm not sure the child would have the constructs for that It's interesting to note that there's always this duality with him. Everyone has different sides, but he essentially had different identities. He was an incredible football player. He also led a life of crime. He was also, according to Shayana, a loyal and loving father. Obviously, the bright spot for him during this time were the visits and phone calls from Shayana and his daughter. Life in prison is hard enough, but the spotlight shined bright on someone like Aaron who had such a public trial and was a known sports star. Now, you might think that fame would help someone in prison, that maybe it would give them a little extra cushion, that it might give them privileges, that they might get extra special treatment. But in reality... It can put a target on their back because others resent them. Others think, oh, well, they think they're hot stuff. They think they're special. We're going to bring them down a notch. They think they're better than we are, and we're going to show them that they're not. So someone that's coming in that has notoriety, that was famous, oftentimes the inmates think they need to be put in their place so they don't think there's a pecking order and they're not being looked down on. No matter who you are, it's not easy to acclimate to this new life in prison. And Aaron was known as this tough guy in life, and perhaps he felt like he had to almost prove himself again behind bars, and he was going to get a lot of chance to do that for the reasons I just talked about. There was still this feeling for him that he needed to be this macho man who wasn't afraid of guards, he wasn't afraid of where he was, he wasn't afraid of the predicament or the other prisoners. Well, that was foolhardy because there were a lot of folks in there that were going to give him a chance to prove just that. His imprisonment wouldn't last long. The story that had been so full of surprises was finally going to come to a horrific and sudden end. Because on April 19, 2017, five days after his double homicide acquittal Aaron was found dead hanging in his prison cell it was a gruesome scene and there were many interesting details found at that scene the first thing officials noted was that there was shampoo covering the floor now why is that significant it was essentially a lubricant it made the floor extremely slippery. There was also cardboard wedged into the door, like a doorstop, making it extremely difficult to open the door. Now, Aaron was hanging by a bedsheet from the prison window. He had a Bible verse, John 3.16, written on his forehead in ink. Now, as you probably know, John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Interestingly, this is the Bible verse his college teammate Tim Tebow would write in his eye black for football games. No one knew that this held deep significance for Aaron. There was also blood on the walls with drawings and Bible verses. One of the drawings was what's known as the unfinished pyramid and the all-seeing eye of God. And below the pyramid he wrote Illuminati. Beneath the bloody wall was an open Bible and three letters he had left behind for his loved ones. So get a picture of this scene. Once that door is opened, the floor is slippery like ice. There's blood and drawings on the wall. Aaron is hanging with a bedsheet around his neck from the prison window. John 3.16 written on his forehead, a Bible on the floor, below this artwork on the wall, and three letters supposedly left behind for his loved ones. Now, contrast this to the Aaron Hernandez that was in the house, when it was announced that Odin Lloyd was dead, his fiancee's sister comes in terribly upset, and Aaron just kind of pats her and says, "Yeah, well, that's 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 too bad." No emotion, no empathy, no compassion, just kind of that cold mask and stare. Was all of this under the surface of that? This was certainly an ending that the public hadn't seen coming, and when I sat down with Shayana, she certainly shared her suspicions. Do you believe he took his own life?
1: I don't know what to believe, to be honest with you. Um, i it, It's just not the Aaron that I know. Um, I think that if he would have done something like this, it would have been at his worst. And I felt like we were, you know, it was looking so bright. Um, we were going up a ladder in a sense to the positive direction. Um, it just, just um, I haven't been able to grasp any of it yet.
0: Well, you probably know him better than anybody else. Do you think this was a suicide or something else?
1: I don't think this was a suicide, um, knowing him, um, but, um, I don't know. I I don't, I don't
0: know. How did you find out that he, in fact, was dead?
1: Well, um, I, Got a call at 5:27 a.m. in the morning um, from oh some some official at um, Shirley prison, and um, they informed me excuse me they informed me that indeed Aaron um, was deceased. And at first I thought it was a hoax. Um, I thought that, you know, this was some cruel person. Cute. you. I thought it was a cruel person playing a trick on me. I called his lawyer immediately. I said, they're telling me that Aaron's, he's dead. And I said, I I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to call the jail. Um, I'm trying to call the number back and I'm not getting a response. He then made his calls. We weren't getting anyone. The number called me back. I spoke to the gentleman and um, he said that Aaron um, was found in his cell and he was deceased.
0: This was the woman who loved him but arguably she didn't know him as fully as she might have previously thought. I wanted to pursue this idea further with her to see if we could get somewhere with her theory on what happened. I kind of have this thing I do in in my reasoning things out around my staff we refer to it as let's love every idea for 5 minutes. Okay. And let's embrace this idea for a few minutes here that what you're saying is true that that he did not take his own life. What would cause you to doubt that?
1: That he didn't take his own life? Yeah,
0: Why would what would cause you to doubt that he took his own life? I mean, for one thing, we know that he had just been acquitted
1: right.
0: of two murders and had one on appeal. So, I mean... This had to be the high point of high points in a long, long time, right?
1: I, no, I agree. And that would make me doubt that he took his own life. Um, he was very positive, um, so excited to come home. I spoke to him the night before um, they say this incident happened. And um, he was so, you know, daddy's going to be home. And he's, you know, he's speaking to AVL. Um, I can't wait to sleep in the bed with you guys and I can't wait um, to just hold you and and love you. Um, There was no indication at all of, of, you know, such events. Um,
0: This was the night before. That's correct. He was deceased. That's correct. Okay, so you spoke to him the very night before He was found dead in his cell.
1: Correct. I believe I was the last person to speak with him. Um, I remember him saying, "Um, babe, I've got to go. They're shutting the doors. And I honestly don't think that we said I love you to each other. Um, And that was it.
0: Okay. So as far as you know, you were the last person to speak with him. BEFORE HE DIED?
1: AS FAR AS I KNOW, I WAS THE LAST PERSON TO SPEAK WITH HIM.
0: AND THE LAST WORDS HE SAID TO YOU WERE WHAT?
1: Um, I BELIEVE ALONG THE LINES OF, BABE, I'VE GOT TO GO, THEY'RE SHUTTING THE DOORS. SO MEANING CLOSING THE CELL DOORS, AND THEN.
0: OKAY. BABE, i GOT TO GO, THEY'RE CLOSING THE DOORS. Mm-hmm. THERE WAS NO, LIKE, mm-hmm. GOODBYE, GOODBYE. LIKE, I'M NEVER GOING TO SPEAK TO YOU AGAIN. THERE WAS NO, monumental goodbye, no finality in what he was saying, no, this woman that I've been with since grade school, that I've loved since middle school, that I've got a child with, that I know I'm speaking with for the last time in my life, it was, babe, gotta run, they're closing the doors.
1: Yes, there was no, it was a normal conversation, um, which makes me doubt (laughs) so many things.
0: We went on to discuss the significance of those Bible verses found on Aaron's deceased body and in his cell, in addition to talking about what she thought might have happened. If he didn't take his own life, then by deduction, that would mean someone else did. In a sense. Because you don't accidentally wrap something around your neck and get it caught on your bunk and hang yourself, this is a, this isn't a whoops. Right. I fell and hit my head. Something went on here. Right. Do you have, I'm not asking you to name somebody, but do you have any reason to believe or any information from him that would cause you to think someone might want him dead?
1: I have no reasoning um, why anyone would want him dead at all.
0: Something else I discussed with her was his suicide note. And she had interesting feedback on how she perceived the tone of his letter. Did that note strike you odd in any way?
1: Um, no, I thought it was a note of, of love. Um, I did, although that it was addressed to Shay instead of you know babe or, or bay the way he would refer me as um that was a little odd to me um but as far as the content um seemed to be his loving self
0: it wasn't addressed the way you would have thought he would have addressed you
1: right it didn't seem um, personal enough now this was something
0: that really seemed to strike a chord with her This idea that it just seemed impersonal, there was no term of endearment there, just Shay. Now, this could be that she was looking for clues for the truth she wanted to believe, that he wouldn't, couldn't kill himself and leave her and their daughter for good. But as I said to her, when I'm working through cases, I like to entertain all sides because that kind of consideration can often lead you to the truth. Were there words in the note that he didn't use that you would expect to be in there besides uh, babe or bae? Mm, um, I
1: honestly, I think it was a very, it it scream love, um, but it wasn't, like I said, personal. Um, it wasn't intimate. It was, I don't know, there were some odd parts um, where it just, it didn't make sense. It wasn't clicking in my head as far as what he may have been thinking or what he was um, trying to say. Um, it was very short. I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I wanted more. Um, you know, I wanted him to explain, and um, I, don't, I don't know. Um, it's very confused, very confused, and I can read it over and over and over again, and I'm still, you know, the same place. I asked her
0: about specific parts of this letter to see if it pointed to any clues or signs. He says, "Shay, you have always been my soulmate, and I want you to live life and know I'm always with you. Then he says, I told you what was coming indirectly. What do you interpret that to mean?
1: I don't know. Like I said, we've had talks about him coming home. Everything was looking more positive than negative. Um, again, it, I feel like there's just not enough. It's so vague um, for me to have closure, if that makes sense.
0: As I told her, linguistically, from an outside perspective, it would seem he was implying she knew that his suicide was pending. She told me, no, that just simply wasn't true. Now, there are several theories out there that try to explain why Aaron would seemingly kill himself out of the blue. One of the main theories was because of something called abatement. When Aaron took his life, understand his conviction for the murder of Odin Lloyd was under the process of appeal. Abatement is a principle that began in the 19th century and was upheld in the state of Massachusetts. It states that if a defendant dies before the process of his appeal is complete, then his slate is wiped clean. Now it was alleged that this could have been part of Aaron's motive for committing suicide so that Shayana would be able to inherit money from his estate and the NFL without issue. Now ultimately the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court ruled to reinstate his guilty verdict citing that this premise was antiquated and did not apply. But let me be sure that I've explained this. Abatement means if you're convicted of a crime you go to jail, so you've been convicted at the trial court level, and you take it up on appeal, that's up to the next level above the trial court, and it's on appeal, and it has neither been rejected or upheld, and you take your own life, then the position of the state was that you had not completed the judicial process, your conviction had not been affirmed, so, therefore, they wouldn't take the position that you actually were guilty because there had been no affirmation of the conviction. And so it would just be wiped off your record. So, therefore, under this concept of abatement, he would not have died a convicted murderer. He would have died with a clean slate. But then. As I say, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court said, "Mm, that's a really old law that doesn't apply now. At the time of this interview, his abatement had just occurred. And I knew I had to press her about this. Getting into the really here and now, his murder conviction was just dismissed minutes before we sat down for this interview. Right. Did Aaron kill himself so you could collect this money? I don't know. Did he kill himself so you could collect 6.5 million dollars from the New England Patriots?
1: That I don't know.
0: Is that even a possibility?
1: That I can collect that money? No,
0: that he would do that so you could.
1: Um, I think anything's a possibility, but I don't know what this this doing was for. Um, again, there's if he was sitting right here, there's tons of stuff that I would ask. Oh, but good. I, you know, I can't, and I can't speculate on what he was thinking or. Why he may or may not have done it, whatever the case is, um, I, it, it just it's unbelievable to me. I don't believe any of it, um, and I don't believe that would be the cause.
0: Now, not only was this a suicide, just like his murder trial, this was extremely high profile, which obviously makes this harder for the family to deal with. Mixed emotions, of course, there's devastation, but also loved ones can feel rejected, abandoned. They can feel intense anger at the person who chose to end their life and leave them behind. There's a need to figure out the reason if it's not completely clear. Sufferers left behind often ruminate and fixate on the why. Why in the world would they do this? It certainly seemed like his fiancée was experiencing this during our interview. She couldn't explain exactly what else had happened to him, but she also couldn't wrap her head around how he could do this to her and their child. So grief is disrupted here. It's like you're grieving, but you have this conflict going on within you as well. So there's a battle going on where you're fighting with yourself about how could someone that loved you do this to you, do this to your daughter. Then you have all this scrutiny from the press. You have all of this going on, and then you're also trying to deal with your feelings and emotions. And there was still more that had come out about Aaron's secret life. Allegedly, he had found a prison lover, and they had begun a friendship that blossomed into a romance. His alleged lover's name was Kyle Kennedy. And he looked like another tough guy covered in tattoos and sporting an intimidating stare. He's known in prison by the nickname Pure. When they met, he was serving three to five for armed robbery. After Aaron's suicide, Kyle claimed that his suicide note was intended for him because of their close relationship. While exact details of that relationship are not known, Kyle claimed that Aaron had gifted him with a custom-made $47,000 watch and wanted to make sure it was delivered to his family. Now, I just had to ask Shayana about this. A man named Kyle Kennedy, his lawyer came forward and claiming that Kyle and Aaron were prison lovers and that they requested to share a cell. Do you believe that?
1: Um, no, I don't. I don't know who this Kyle Kennedy is. I've never heard of him, um, honestly. I, Aaron has never mentioned him. Um, and Aaron liked to be in a single cell, from my knowledge.
0: Right. So. Did this come to your attention before or after he passed? After. After. The day after the alleged suicide, the prison put Kyle Kennedy on suicide watch because they say they knew the depth of their relationship. What's your response to that?
1: I don't have one.
0: According to this lawyer, Kyle Kennedy's lawyer, Aaron purportedly wrote Kyle a note. Is that, is that true?
1: A a suicide note in a sense, Um, no, that's not accurate.
0: What is accurate?
1: It's accurate that he doesn't have one. There's nothing for Kyle Kennedy.
0: And if there is, you haven't seen it. That's correct. Um, And they say Aaron called him by his nickname, Pure, P-U-R-E.
1: And this is Kyle Kennedy? Right. Never heard of him. (laughs) Never heard of him. What a nickname, huh? Yeah. Never heard of him, Pure. Pure being behind bars, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, pure behind bars. <laughs> he never mentioned him to you as even a buddy or somebody that he knew.
1: No, I person. mean, it, it never to the point where it stuck out. So if he mentioned him, it was slightly or not at all.
0: Another point she made was that if they had actually had such a close or romantic relationship, wouldn't Kyle have maybe been clued in to Aaron's alleged flailing mental state? So, according to Shayana, there wasn't a shred of credibility to this guy's claims. But playing devil's advocate, this certainly wouldn't be the first time that Aaron had pulled a wool over her eyes. After all, we know that she was pretty much functioning on a need-to-know basis. It appears that even at the end of his life, he may have withheld information from her about his true feelings. According to his brother, Jonathan, Aaron had a powerful talk with his mother, Terry during which he allegedly told her about his bisexuality. Jonathan claims that the conversation happened during a prison visit and that the two had a very positive conversation about it and were both flooded with tears. As Jonathan told it, mother and son had started bickering. They were known to have a troubled relationship. A son finally got something from his mother he had desperately wanted and never gotten from his father. Acceptance. While his exact reasons for suicide may not be 100% clear, There was something else that was going to help fill in the gaps. What was it? Well, it was Aaron's brain. Even in death, there was more to learn about Aaron. Researchers were about to get an incredible shock when they examined him on autopsy. According to the autopsy, His brain showed extreme signs of CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, Okay, I want to brag on my wife again. You know Robin has Robin McGraw Revelation, which is a company that takes care of your skin. And like I said, I've used the top of my head for the lab on this. They've used it to test out some of these things, and they really do a lot of testing on this stuff. And one of their products is called Today, Every Day, All Day Rosacea Day Lotion. Now, this is something that reduces redness and reveals radiance in your skin. Now, this lotion calms rosacea and tames future flare-ups for a glowing, healthy complexion. There's a hydrating alpha-hydroxy acid that goes along with antioxidants, vitamin K, peptides, and hyaluronic acid. And these are absorbed into the skin, and it happens 26 times faster because they have this dynamic infusion technology that they got patented. Let me tell you, when When you have a skincare product that they actually issue a patent on, that means they've really got something special. And this helps you clear up your skin, and you deserve this as soon as possible. You can only get this at com, And right now, you get 30% off all products. 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. Robin McGraw Revelation which is owned by my wife, Robin, so you know it's quality, has a great new product line for adult acne. Now, there are two products. One, Zap Your Covered All Day Long, which is Day Acne Lotion, and Relax Your Covered Sweet Dreams, which is a night acne cream, are really powerful products for adults that have acne issues. These products heal breakouts fast without over-drying your skin. Robins new treatments for adult acne won't trigger skin purging or flare-ups when you introduce it into your regular skincare routine. Natural salicylic acid made from willow bark clears pores to prevent future blemishes, while anti-aging antioxidants keep skin firm. And if you order now and get this Acne Fighting Duo, you get a 50 Fierce Sunscreen for free. And you're going to need that because we're coming into warm weather. As you know, you're going to spend a lot of time in the sun. You can only get this at RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. Order now and get your free 50 Fierce Sunscreen. And right now, you get 30% off all products. 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. Hey, you know, we're coming into springtime, and it looks like we're going to have a lot of time sitting around home, so shopping online is the smart play. You can give yourself a springtime spruce up and enjoy brighter, healthier skin thanks to my wife, Robin McGraw's Revelations Brightening Trio. This unique triple action skin brightening kit will help you shine bright all day, every day by eliminating sunspots, rejuvenating dull skin, and restoring your youthful glow. Hydrate your skin by applying the serum every morning and the cream every night and exfoliate two or three times a week for a clear, bright complexion. This skin brightening kit features potent botanical extracts that work together to provide everything your skin needs to be at its best all day and all night long. This trio features Let There Be Bright, Starlight Face Bright, and Twinkle Twinkle, You're a Star and they all have Triple Action Brightening Serum. And you can only get them at RobinMcGrawRevelation.com. And right now, you get 30% off all products. 30% off all products. Just use code RMR30. RMR30. Now, CTE is a brain disease most commonly found in athletes, military veterans, and others where there is a history of repetitive aggressive head trauma. Now, when you're repeatedly getting blows to the head, this can trigger a progressive degeneration of brain tissue. At the same time, this is also causing a buildup of abnormal protein in the brain. This spells major trouble. Our brains are not meant to sustain this kind of repeated impact. A helmet protects your head to a certain extent, of course, that's why we wear them. But it doesn't stop your brain from getting rattled around inside your skull. And it certainly doesn't prevent concussions. Some of the major issues associated with brain degeneration include memory loss, confusion, aggression, depression, and progressive dementia. Now, two other notable effects with CTE are impaired judgment and impulse control problems. Think about Aaron's conduct, and that certainly seems to fit this situation. And then also think about football. Impact to the head is happening to these players on a repeated basis. It's not a matter of when you're going to have an impact to your head. It's just a matter of how often you're going to have an impact to the head. That's part of the game. You butt heads. doesn't matter if you're a lineman. doesn't matter if you're a receiver or a quarterback. You are going to have a repeated impact to your head. It's built into the game. The problem is symptoms don't show immediately. They often begin years or even decades after the last brain trauma. Athletes will complete their career, go back into the mainstream of life before the symptoms begin to show. Sometimes it can be immediate. Sometimes it can be really delayed. And here's the big problem. CTE can only be confirmed on autopsy. You don't really know until you dissect the brain. And you can see what's going on internally. And remember, there was a key word that I mentioned here, progressive degeneration of brain tissue. Now, we know Aaron had been playing from a very young age. His brain was getting impacted for years and years, even though he was still a relatively young man. Now, while researchers did not make a direct link between Aaron's condition and his past problematic behavior, we even know more about it today than we did then, and it is not a big leap to think that these two things could be related. He is not the first NFL athlete to struggle with the symptoms of CTE. One of the most famous cases involved Junior Seau, a famous linebacker. Years after retirement, He shot himself in the chest. He had been deeply depressed. Another player, David Durson, also committed suicide by gunshot wound. He actually left a letter instructing that his brain be studied for CTE. According to Aaron's case, findings showed his brain was the most severe case they had ever seen in someone of Aaron's age. Now hear what I just said, the most severe case they had ever seen in someone of Aaron's age. Now he may have only been 27 when he died, but the autopsy on his brain showed that the damage he sustained was closer to what scientists would see in a player in their 60s. His brain was riddled with the damage that comes from trauma, and the progressive, remember I said progressive degeneration, his brain had progressively degenerated to that you would expect to see if he was 40 years older than what he was when he died. Now, let's go back and talk about what some of these signs were. Remember, I talked about the fact that you have impaired judgment. You have impulse control problems. You have problems with aggression. And what do we have here? We have someone that had been very aggressive with others, had been convicted of murder, had shown a lack of empathy. So we've got poor judgment, impulse control problems, and the worst brain scientist had seen ever that it in fact was a brain that you would expect to see someone 40 years older than Aaron Hernandez. Now, I'm not telling you this to excuse his behavior, but when your brain starts to deteriorate, you have to take into account its impact on your behavior. If someone had a brain tumor and their behavior started to be very erratic once they had a brain tumor, they were one way before the tumor and another way after the tumor, you would say, okay, their behavior is due to the introduction of this tumor. It put pressure on certain parts of the brain. You would explain that. You would say, he's not himself. He had a tumor. He came in and he did these things. So that's why his behavior began to change. My wife, Robin, was recently in a restaurant, and a doctor of hers, a very fine man, just could not be a nicer man, married for 40 or 50 years, a grandfather. He was probably the most gentlemanly person that we had met in L.A. He was my doctor. He was her doctor. He ran across her in a restaurant across the street from his office building, And he walked past her one day, and he came up to her and four or five other ladies she was having lunch with and said, oh, hi, Robin. It's so good to see you with your clothes on. Now, he wasn't that kind of doctor. And even if he had been, that would have been really inappropriate to say. But he wasn't that kind of doctor. He was an oral surgeon. And she thought, oh, my gosh, what an odd thing to say. And he seemed just completely normal. Didn't bother him. He didn't seem embarrassed. He didn't seem drunk. He didn't seem anything. And she came home and told me about it. And I said, wow, that's just something's really not right because you know what a gentleman he is. Three weeks later, a highly aggressive brain tumor. He had been undiagnosed and then had a highly aggressive brain tumor. So we look at that situation. He was one way all these years we knew him, gets a highly aggressive brain tumor, and behaves erratically. He was one way before the tumor, another way after the tumor. Completely explained his behavior. Now, when you look at what we're talking about here, Clearly, we cannot discount that his behavior, his ability to inhibit his behavior, may well have been impacted by the fact that he had the brain of a 60-year-old CTE patient. Obviously, what I'm saying here is this study adds a whole other dimension and debate to the case. Of course, there are those deeply impacted by this that don't harm themselves or others. Why? Because it affects different people in different ways. Ultimately, no one wins here. Aaron was a man who was used to winning on the field. He had wins in his personal life, too, and those lives will live on. His fiancée and his young daughter They reflect the goodness in him, the good side of him. When I sat with Shayana, it was very clear to me that this is a woman with a very fine character and an excellent moral compass. She was caught in a very bad situation and in love with someone that was very erratic and created real problems in their relationship dynamic. But this is a story akin to a Greek tragedy. His Achilles heel was his deep internal pain, tragic relationship with his father. And those problems coupled with what I believe was a big contributor in a very degenerative brain disease may well have contributed to him allegedly ending the life of Odin Lloyd. And does that excuse what he did? It certainly doesn't excuse what he did. And for the people that love Odin Lloyd, his family, his fiance, why Aaron did it might have some context but it doesn't lessen the loss of Odin Lloyd. It doesn't make him any less absent from their life. It doesn't make that void any less painful. They still have to live with that. But you do have to ask the question, are there other people that contributed to this terrible crime? Are there others that acted or failed to act? Did the system fail Aaron Hernandez? Could he, should he have been diagnosed earlier? Could he, should he have been targeted for treatment in a way that might have obviated or even stopped his self-destructive and other destructive behavior? We're all products of our environment. We're all products of our choices. We have to ask, did Aaron Hernandez own all of his decision or was he in part a victim? What we do know is that this was a young man filled with promise who had a very dark and lonely soul. He had been the product of abuse, he made some very poor choices in his life. Did those choices put him on a path before CTE ever kicked in? Did it just inflame bad choices? Would he have wound up in a different place without his neurological problems? Or would he have made the same choices? we don't know. What we do know is that his life is lost, Odin Lloyd's life is lost, and many others are impacted. In real life, things are just not cut and dried. It certainly is food for thought. You have been listening to The Fall of a Hero, From Football to Murder, The Aaron Hernandez Story, Mystery and Murder, Analysis by Dr. Phil. I am Dr. Phil. Fracture prints your digital photos directly on the glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Fracture glass prints are a unique, beautiful way to display your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, pick your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order.